Hey friends, thanks for listening to the first 20 episodes of They Talk Sex podcast. Editor John and I are going to take a couple week break from production. So look for us again in 2022 with five more episodes to complete this first season. Do you want a second season? Share the podcast with your friends, recommend us, rate or review us on your listening app. Write questions to theytalksex at protonmail.com. And you can search for previously written articles, topics, and suggested products on lstanger.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. This is a Ask Us Anything edition because this is my podcast and I can do what I like with it, I realize. So I have my dear friend Valentine on. This is the Queer Sex Worker edition of Ask Us Anything on They Talk Sex podcast. Hi, Valentine. Hi. Thanks Hi. for having me again. It's been a while. It's been a while. I know. It's. Uh, I miss our, our talks and our walks over here in Portland. Me too. Uh, yeah, but... People can meet you, find you, maybe chat with you if they don't waste your time on Twitter at Von Betty, V-O-N-B-E-T-T-I-E. And if you're interested in paying for services, you can email model.valentine at yahoo.com. Everybody knows about me. I'm your queer podcast host, stripping and living in the Pacific Northwest. And Valentine is a biracial 12-year veteran of sex work who specializes in queer porn. She's pretty active in current events, and I often look to her for guidance and input about particular sex worker social and political situations. And Valentine is currently in Columbus, Ohio, although known from the Pacific Northwest. And Valentine, you are nationally and internationally known. So let's have fun with this. Uh, We have 20 questions here wow wow and they're kind of broken up into some general themes uh related to some of the things that you and i live and know we're gonna do our darndest this is not gonna be a complete um amount of time that we can give to every question as we would like and there's so much information we don't have from these like random phrases questions from people on the internet so of course here's my disclaimer that this is advice or entertainment or information, but we are not sex therapists. We are not relationship therapists. If you email me, I may be able to refer you. So some of these also are personal questions, which is super easy and fun. So Valentine, listener question one, as a sex worker, are you always straightforward when people ask you what you do? Yes. It depends. Yes. Oh yeah. Every single time? Okay, not every single time. Um, At the grocery store. (laughs) Um, There is like a joke that people are like, oh, I recognize you. And I'll be like, oh, do you watch porn? Yep. Yeah. So I will say that sometimes just to kind of mess. Like, I just kind of gauge what people are going to like say you know you're uh, also a sadist so you like to watch them squirm I do I love watching people sweat and they're like um uh I am um. <laughs> I'm like you watch porn though too it's fine um exactly but there actually is like a shirt that's going around that I've seen a couple times I don't remember it verbatim but it's very similar to that and I kind of want that <laughs> um well the holidays are coming up they are uh, what does but- it say like how do I recognize you 
it's something like that it's, on the internet yeah it's something very similar to like if you recognize me it might be from porn or something like that <laughs> mm, perfect. um but i will say that in a professional setting like in a vanilla setting, um, not always, uh, especially to cis men, because I just don't want to have to deal with like the myriad of questions they usually want to get into. Mm. But Mm. with, you know, dating or like casual friend, people I know, I'm very, I mean, obviously I'm not going to be friends with people who are going to be bigots or uh, ignorant to sex work anyways so that's mm-hmm. generally not my crowd but I'm pretty open mm-hmm. with most everybody because I just feel like it's important to be for me personally mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a vanilla setting example I could give to folks and that would be like say you're dating someone and they invite you to their company picnic and so now exactly. you're surrounded by yes yeah. or like what do you do <laughs> uh, oh, or you're like going to you know like a random christmas party or something mm-hmm. you know? like a bunch of people you're like i might never see these people again or they might become a part of my social circle i don't know it's a bunch of prospective clients i really can't fuck with <laughs> exactly yeah and that's how i think i think i'm like will this person eventually hire me maybe can i mm-hmm. take a moment to educate them maybe am i i'm very observant so like if i'm in a group of people and i i see how they're interacting and i see how they're talking and i'm like hmm, these are not going to be the people who are going to understand this so mm-hmm. i think i pick my battles mm-hmm. yeah my answer is very similar i would say um this one is way more specific i think uh, i want to hear more from you because you have more porn experience so listener question two what is different or similar about content creating with femmes versus masks? So feminine people versus masculine people. I've only had like three porn partners. You're one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and B, rest in peace. And Joanna, rest in peace. So uh, I, thoughts? <laughs> I mean, is this in, reg- is this in regards to us? Yeah, this is your personal experience. Like, do you have a preference in making porn with feminine folks, masculine folks? Um, I don't feel like I'm experienced enough to, like, say. I think it really depends on if I know them or not. Because Mm -hmm. I, you know, like, a lot of people say, like, gay for pay, straight for pay. I say I'm bi for pay because... I will sleep with cis men for pay, but I don't date cis men in my real life. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I interact with them, it's usually very functional. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's very interesting. It's um, it can go either way. Like, I mean, I generally let them. You know, we we talk about boundaries and we talk about like mm-hmm. you know hard limits and stuff. So I feel like a lot of time when penetration's involved, it's usually a little bit more aggressive. Um, but it's So still, there's more negotiation anyway. Yeah, maybe. I feel like there's more negotiation when I when I shoot with masculine people. Um, Interesting. With, with femmes, I feel like it's more sensual and free-flowing. Hmm. Uh, and I'm usually in a more toppy role, naturally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Femme daddy. If we... <laughs> We Google Femme Daddy. Are you still one of the first images that comes up? Oh, hold on. Let me let me let me check yeah. real quick. Please do. Yep. 
<laughs> second picture. Nice. Yay. I want to do that right now. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like, I mean, I honestly haven't really worked with like too many trans men. That's what I realized. Mm. I'm like, huh. And I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, there's you. And then Joanna was like more of an androgynous, like, yeah. female. And B was more of an androgynous male. So, like, definitely had like his feminine qualities about him mm-hmm. that I, you know, or so called feminine, whatever. But, like, so all of my people are very, like, gender fluid anyway. I agree. So I, yeah. And- I think what you said in the beginning is like, how do I know and like them? That would be the biggest difference for me. Yeah, like I how, think how removed I am from something. Exactly. Emotionally. Yeah, like yeah. how how business is this, and how fun and personable is it? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think you know, I mean, definitely with cis men, it's all business for me. But I, feel I can like, give a very functional blowjob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I look great. And yeah, I have pinkies a, out, bitches. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I'm not like, you know, wow, like I need to do that again and again, you know, afterwards. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like a transformative experience, like maybe some other things, like Absolutely. fisting or a first strapping experience. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Listener question three uh thoughts about pregnant sex workers um my my only my first thought was like well they exist (laughs) uh yeah there is a niche for it they're they're real i mean like there's always gonna be people that are doing sex work and there's always gonna be people that are pregnant and there's Mm -hmm. always gonna be people that are gonna be maybe doing more or different sex work when they were pregnant Mm -hmm. or not doing it because they have that option and they're pregnant i've seen Um, pregnant pole dancers strippers um mm -hmm a very pregnant stripper and she was still flying upside down and doing all of her tricks. And I have seen, I mean, there's a huge, huge niche for lactation, like huge, Mm -hmm. like people Mm -hmm. love lactation porn. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish I had capitalized. I honestly wasn't comfortable enough with myself. So much money. That's what I hear. (laughs) You could have sold your breast milk. <laughs> I know. That's what I hear. Um, also, like, I think everyone here who's watched porn, like, you've looked at a pregnant sex worker. They just didn't visually look pregnant. Because I stripped until I was, like, almost halfway through my pregnancy. I just didn't show until mm-hmm. I was about 20 weeks. So I was 17 weeks with her when I stopped. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. They exist. <laughs> some people like them. Some people don't. Yeah, I th- I definitely think that there's like, you know, of course, judgment, you know, um, even within the community. It's like, why are you doing this still? Like, you're pregnant. But I definitely, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, there's absolutely a market for it. And I think that anybody who capitalizes on it is really smart in that moment. Mm-hmm. I wrote an opinion piece and I haven't looked at it in like eight years. So God knows if I would say things differently now. But I remember my original point centered around because folks were asking, how did I feel about um, this was club managers firing waitresses or not booking strippers when they were visually pregnant? And I said, you know, unfortunately, like that is I understand how that can be discriminatory. But I also see from a manager perspective, if they don't want someone who looks pregnant and is pregnant in their environment, I feel like that's ultimately going to be their call to make. 
and this is someone who worked pregnant. Um, but if they also feel comfortable having them there, that's great too, because yes, there is a great opportunity to capitalize on that. I, my only concern would be just from actual concern. Um, because like, are people going to try to touch this person? Like, are they going to be more in danger if they fall? I'm afraid of having a very pregnant person who could get hurt on my property. Um, for like emotional and then probably legal perspective, I don't know. I was just thinking the liability is probably high. People will touch your belly a lot they when you do. have one. And when you're a sex worker, people feel entitled to your body a lot anyway. So I I just, you know, if I'm like a manager and I'm like, I don't want to deal with any potential conflicts of having a visibly pregnant sex worker, I understand that. And I know that's also a point of view a lot of people don't like, but. I, I mean, have said that before. You you are you've been a pregnant sex worker, so you have that perspective and that right, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I remember also seeing girls with bellies out at different clubs where I was like, good for her and good for the club on giving her space to work. I hope she's fine. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So listener question four. Do you use any phone slash sex service like night flirt and if so what has your experience been like have you ever used a sex service i have yeah i think we're both on sex panther are you still on there yeah i am yeah what's your url you can share it uh let's see mine is sexed panther i know such a silly little name.com <laughs> sextpanther.com forward slash l o l I really like that app. My experience has been good because the customer can't see your phone number and you can't see their phone number. So the privacy is like, it's just so built in. Like the payment, I've never had any problem with payment. I can set my own rates. Um, I know the percentage they're going to take. When it's tax season, they send me my little reminder form and the holding company of Sext Panther is called something else like what it's registered under. So it doesn't look outrageous or adult to my tax person. So I've had good experiences. I, It's not the most streamlined. They don't have an app. You have to use like your browser on your phone or your laptop, but they have one in beta. And no, I didn't get paid to say any of that. I just, that's my experience. Yeah. So I'm on there at uh, Valentine Von Betty. Nice. All one. All one. No underscores. Nice. Yeah. Um, um, I know. It always feels like Christmas when I can actually use that name. Oh, <laughs> um, why? Because I, you know, like choosing a sex worker name, you're always battling like, oh, did somebody already get that? Do I have? Oh, that? right. Yes. Um, yeah. So I always feel uh-huh. like, great. I chose a good name that's lasted me for a really long time. But um, I do have their, um, what they, their beta uh, app called Text Panther. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, I need to download it. And it's actually it's nice because it it is on your phone and it gives you the notifications, but you can't really do anything else but chat. So you can set yourself available or unavailable and you can chat, but you can't navigate it or else it kind of starts getting a little bit wonky. Um okay. so I'm on there and I just joined Night Flirt and I just set up my profile. And I'm on there as Darling Valentine. Cool. So if anybody wants to pay us to talk to them, <laughs> you can do that. And That's what it's I for. I have heard 
amazing things about Night Flirt, especially uh, in the Dom world, uh, which, yes, really? like, absolutely people definitely recommend it to get established with clients. Um, and so, yeah. Some of my favorite clients are my sex Yes. Clients. Oh, my God. Like, just like buddies, honestly. Like, paid yeah, buddies. Yeah, so I didn't realize, you know? also, I hadn't used uh, Sex Panther in a while, and so I lost my last um, private phone number with them, which means I lost all of my chat history. I had oh, a very interesting client <laughs> who was very into, like, he was into, like, some of the, like, darker kinks, and I loved that because, mm-hmm. like... Like when he texted me, I immediately was like on it and he was like, oh my God, nobody's ever really like responded because like they always get like freaked out yes. and I'm like, no, bring it. Like I'm here for the, I'm here yes. for the weird, give me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can handle, you can handle and you seem to manage, correct me if I'm wrong. So blood, um, what about diapering? Um, I'm not so much into like adult baby stuff. I mean, I'll cater, I'll cater okay. to anything mostly, but I. You can handle poop. Yeah, though. so he was a scat castration vor um Whoa. Uh, texture. And so like Vor's eating yes, for those who yes. don't know, right? So it was very graphic. <laughs> but we had a good time. Wow. Yeah, you're creative. I think I'm a wild beast and then I'm like, wow, I'm really vanilla. No. Um <laughs> No, I'm not. Uh Okay. So yeah, that's been our experience to go back to that question. So we've had overall good experiences with these apps. Yeah, that's great. And that's why these apps should exist because it's like way safer than giving your phone number out to a Mm -hmm. client who's like, I'll send you an allowance. You know, not that that doesn't work for some people, but, and it's just so much safer for sex workers when we can maintain a personal distance from people and either not do in-person meetups if the technology is available to us. Or, you know, just to have more people do online options would keep a lot of us from doing in-person jobs. Um, okay, so more options, please. Listener question five. Have you ever had to dance to a song you absolutely hated? Yes. All the time. Literally, unless we ask, it's a total song roulette. And you're just kind of like, please, please, please don't let it be like mm. terrible. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. something some people don't think about if there's multiple stages, then who picked the song? You know, it's not like all the girls were like, Oh, I love this song. Let's pick all the same songs. It's like somebody is unhappy right now. <laughs> or hopefully they partnered and they're okay. They're used to this. Okay. I have to say, like, the one memorable time that sticks out to me is when I auditioned at mm-hmm. and, in Portland. And I don't know who chose the song because, again, like you said, multiple stages, but someone put on Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. And I was like, really? <laughs> this is my audition That's... song? This is it? The... Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, thankfully, this very lovely couple was very supportive. They were like, oh, my God, we love you. And I was like, thank you for being here through this emotionally trying song. <laughs> oh, my God. That song makes me think of third grade. I heard it in the like cvs the other day the fucking rite aid or whatever i like i'm like wow yeah it makes me think of dangerous minds with michelle pfeiffer (laughs) and i love that movie but it's like wow this was not a sexy song this was not an addition song like who who chose this song any any beck song is never really a sexy song i'm sorry someone's mad right now (laughs) i just said that but like (laughs) The Scientologist man. I do not like his songs. Thank you. Yeah. 
Um, actually, and like also DJs will like here's where power dynamics come up. DJs will fuck with you oh, if they yeah. can. And that means playing something you don't like, even if you maybe politely specifically said, um, can you please not play Blondie or Rage Against the Machine for me? My customers know that it's not my music. And then what do they put on? Immediately those songs. It's like they just <laughs> it's like they know they feel like God. They know that they control the vibe of the whole club. And sometimes I just think that they live to embarrass you. And yeah, it goes to their heads. Some people over talk. Yeah. And I got um, really spoiled for like the longest time working at a club where I just got to play my Spotify playlist and created my mm -hmm. own vibe. And it was great. But mm -hmm. anytime I've been at a club where it's a DJ, it's like you have to really schmooze them to get them mm -hmm. to play the music that you like. Mm hmm. I definitely was standing next to one of the like longtime industry people last week. And there's a newer guy at one of the clubs I'm working on. He's learning how to DJ. And like he comes over and he's like he'd been playing like a certain like level of hip hop, which like, you know me, like I like moody, sexy stuff, but I don't really do like hard like gangster rap mm -hmm. for the most part. At least these I, I don't. I don't like gunshots and police sirens in my music. I just <laughs> it makes me, me anxious. There's been too many for real. There's been too many strip club shootings. <laughs> There's been too many shootings. <laughs> um, there's been too much violence. Um, so anyway, so like I have like a certain I have specific songs on my list for reasons. You know, I've been doing this 12 years. Anyway, so the DJ comes over the young the young DJ and he's like, um, L, how about I play blah, blah, blah. And I like compromised with him. I was like, how about and I suggested uh, like the genuine song because everybody knows that freaking oh, song. Oh, yeah, Pony. Pony. Exactly. I'm like, do that. And then something else. And he's like, okay. And he like totters off. And then like the old school like bar person is like, oh, yeah, because he knows that's not my music. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you have to pick your battles. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like I can't just fight with the DJ every time. Right. Even though we, you know, like they think they know what's going to make us the most money. We think we know what's going to sometimes either person is right. I'm just at this point it often tends to be me because I've been doing this longer than them but right and I just feel like Portland is not Atlanta like you're not gonna get rained on if you play For like real? like it's just not the vibe and it's like For real. so I play R&B sensual music for sure like I like mm -hmm. sensual music but I can't get behind like trap you know because I'm like <laughs> it's not gonna be the same vibe it's not gonna be it's gonna be old white dudes in flannels mm -hmm. it's from beaverton from beaverton to shop at cabela exactly cabela's yeah it's not gonna be they're, they're going hunting tomorrow it's not gonna be these status guys coming in and like throwing racks it's like just a different a different vibe yeah. you know and like for me it's like i would much rather just be in my own world because i can listen to the music that makes me feel good rather than try to try to create a vibe that's just not gonna happen in portland you know mm -hmm. yeah Yep. And again, listen to us because we are mommy and femme daddy and we've been doing this for a while. Um, and that's why you're here for the Ask Us Anything Queer Sex Worker Edition. <laughs> also, like you said, Valentine. pick your battles, pick your battles, you know. <laughs> pick your battles. I know. What sucks is more and more people I work with started listening to this podcast. So it's like harder for me to talk about things that happen. I'm like, ah. Yeah. And, uh, and I just like people aren't going to understand. Yeah. 
But um, it's okay. Anything I say on the show, I can say to someone in person. So if that DJ is listening, I appreciate you. You're doing great. <laughs> Definitely continue to take direction for me and we will co-collaborate because your tip out relies on my tips. <sighs> and, Love you. And, okay. <laughs> and let's take a break. <laughs> Ioba Toys is the creator of the super silent sex toys, the Oh My G and the Oh My C. The Oh My G is a G-spot massager with three intensity levels, a massaging pearl, and a unique C-shape made to precisely hit the G-spot. The Oh My C is a clitoral massager with a rotating massaging pearl that mimics a tongue or fingers, also known as oral sex, and it fits in the palm of your hand. Both toys are super silent and come in pink or white. Try code L. 30 for 30% off on iobatoys.com. Do you have sex questions? Do you want help learning new techniques, communicating with a partner, opening a relationship, or exploring kink? Sex and intimacy coach Stella Harris can help. Book a session now to take your intimate life to the next level. Listeners of this podcast receive 20% off their first session with code TTS. Learn more and schedule at www.stellaharris.net or follow her on Instagram at Stella Harris Erotica. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. Ask us anything queer sex worker edition with Valentine. This is fun. I should do this more often. <laughs> <laughs> this is way easier than drawing up an outline for a show with structure. Let's just ask us questions yeah yeah do you have to work for us <laughs> yeah well and also it keeps it fresh because then my brain doesn't have to generate information i you know i love getting electrified by other people's ideas and comments mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so find valentine on twitter become electrified by her tweets uh at von betty v-o-n-b-e-t-t-i-e and don't waste her time when you email model.valentine at yahoo.com. Let's continue with our listener questions. This is cute. I've written like three advice columns for this question over like the last eight years. So Google this also, but or look on my website, lstanger.com. Tips for strip club customers with social anxiety. Oh, cute. I know that's I know. so many of us. I get anxious when I go into any club. Do you really? Ad absolutely. I do. I get anxious when I go anywhere. I just feel like a baller. <laughs> Even if I'm not balling, I'm just like You walking. are. I just like walk in. I'm like, ladies, ladies, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, inspirational. In Good. my mind. I mean, because not obviously I'm not assuming. No, you act, you act very right, though. You're a great client. Um, quietly impressive. What Thank a stud. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... Tips for how to be like Valentine. Um, Don't set... Okay. A lot of stuff you've seen in TV and movies is wrong. Please don't try to emulate it. Don't set a bunch of money on a table and like look around. Don't flash money. Don't dangle the money. Like people with social anxiety aren't generally going to do stuff like that unless they're... I don't know. Maybe like some of my friends autistic enough to like just think that's something they're supposed to do. Um, If you don't know what you're doing there... You can ask staff questions and hopefully they will be helpful. Um, I say ask the staff before ask the strippers because the staff are paid hourly. 
And so if you ask like a bouncer or a bartender, like, where is the bathroom? Or um, should I be tipping the stage right now? Or where can I get ones from? That's welcome. Um, or it's actually, I find it really helpful when people say, I've never been here before, because that just tells me a lot. They have no idea where the bathroom is. They don't know what anything costs. They don't know the DJ is about to say like that really annoying thing <laughs> that makes people cringe. <laughs> different DJ, different DJ. Um, scope a place out at different hours if they're open. Like I research the heck out of anywhere I go. I'll see when they're open. I will call it to make sure that the like Google ad or whatever is accurate or the listing. Um, you know, what time are you open? I'll come in the daytime and then maybe I'll come in the nighttime. I'll go somewhere with a friend. Um, make sure you have money with you. Uh, last thing I'll say, and then I want to hand it over to Valentine for input is, um, if you're not interested in someone, a nice way to say that is like, thank you for coming over, but I'm waiting for someone else or I'm not interested. I guess don't lie because they might be like, oh, who are you waiting for? And you're like, uh. <laughs> but it's okay to say like, oh, thank you for coming over, but I'm not interested in a dance right now. And then give them like five or 10 or $20 or something, whatever you can afford for them coming over mm -hmm. and saying hi. What do you think? Um, I was just going to say, yeah, as far as declining a dancer, I, so like when I go in, you know, and again, like I don't really deal with social anxiety too much. Um, I do mostly, <laughs> I do mostly when I know that men are drunk. I don't know why. Cause I'm just like, as soon as they start yelling, I'm like, God, is someone going to fight? Um, that's why, that's why <laughs> that's legitimate. Yeah. That's why. That's literally <laughs> like all I think about is like, uh, there's booze involved is someone gonna fight great okay mm -hmm. yeah survival um, mm, that's why yeah it's legitimate. But, but i don't really deal with it like in general um so i would Good. say like when i go in you know like i'll like go get a drink i make sure i tip i have enough to tip every stage um mm. every stage set every dancer uh, if someone comes up to me and I'm not interested in getting a dance with them, I will tip them, you know, or just pl de politely decline depending on like what my own strategy is for the night. Mm -hmm. um, but I always make sure I tip them on the stage, even if I don't tip them as they come over. Um, I usually, when I go in, I am there to either see like someone in particular, uh, a friend, mutual people I know. Mm -hmm. uh, taking a friend for the first time, uh, you know, or I'm dating the dancer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so things like that. Uh, I generally go in with my own plan and I usually have an agenda when I go in. But I would say for people with social anxiety, uh, go in when it's slower. So that way you're not overcrowded. Mm -hmm. You're not feeling like pressured. Um, well, actually... You might you feel might a little more pressure when yeah. it's less busy. Yeah. That's what so, I was going to say. Yeah. So, so it depends how you feel was, about crowds and yeah. Yeah. If it's a crowd thing or if it's a dancer thing, like kind of determine like where your anxiety is sitting um, because you will, get, it will be a little bit challenging for the dancers in the daytime if it's slow. Um, mm -hmm. Meaning like if there's only like three customers in there and you're one of them, you're probably going to get approached. So if the thought of that gives you anxiety and you'd rather there be a lot more clients around and you probably want to go when it's busier. Mm -hmm. 
Um, if you're anxious about sitting at the stage, just, you know, sit back and just go up and t- uh, tip and walk away, you know, just mm-hmm. show appreciation. You don't have to sit at the rack. If you have anxiety about approaching the dancer that you want to dance from or you're not sure how you're going to feel in a dance, uh, maybe just ask to sit and chat and be like, hey, would you want to sit and chat with me for a little bit? Can I pay you for your time? Mm-hmm. And then you know, kind of test the waters with that person, talk to them a little bit. And then if mm-hmm. you feel comfortable, go back for a dance. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, like, I don't know where you are, what you can afford, what your surroundings are, but pay for your time could mean like $5 a song. They're sitting there, mm-hmm. $10, $20 a song, $100, whatever you can afford a song. Yeah. Um, someone who gives me money right off the bat, it's like a first wall or barrier has been broken. They seem a little more safe to me because they've just validated me in that way. Mm-hmm. Now we go through the process of like vetting them in other ways. Like, oh, do I talk to them? Do I let them touch me? Do I touch them? Whatever. But immediately, as soon as someone tips me, I already like them more. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you yes. know. Um, and also, one last thing, we can move on to the next one. Remember, a lot of the strippers have social anxiety. We're the ones who are naked and dealing with constant rejection in here. Mm-hmm. So if that helps you, you can seek out the introvert, you know, awkward, goofy stripper. That's how I find a lot of my clients. I'm like, oh, I see like, I see the loner dork in the group. Like, that's my guy. You know, we'll get along great. <laughs> that is true. Like, you'll usually see it. I mean, well, it's always polite to ask, be like, do you want to be left alone or can I join you? If you mm-hmm. see a dancer kind of like, you know, taking a break off to the side, like on their phone or maybe not on their phone. But sometimes we like, yeah, dancers just kind of need a break from the hustle. So, mm-hmm. And it's something I like to hear is, um, would you like someone to talk to? Um, could I talk to you for a few minutes um, and pay you for your time? I don't Aww. like it when someone comes. Yeah. If someone comes over here and they're like, oh, you're looking a little lonely. Depending on what kind of mood I'm in, you know, oh God. Yeah. I'm either going to like, like be okay with interacting with you or I'm annoyed because it's like, no, came over here to fart. (laughs) That meme, you know, that meme. Okay. So like, did you see the meme recently where it's like guys over 40 were like, you look like trouble. (laughs) Men like like, men over 55 flirt. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was the one. Yeah. I saw it. Yeah. I was you like, look like a lot of trouble. That's what they, I swear. It's like, you want to be left mm. alone, but they're like, oh, look at you making all you this trouble. You sure of- look like trouble. <laughs> it's so a thing. It's so like a fucking grandpa, oh, dad, God. like, like condescending patriarch thing. Like you look like trouble. Bro, I'm literally just sitting here vibing. <laughs> literally, like, I'm just chilling. Like, yeah. I don't know how much trouble I can get in over here. <laughs> you know, you know why it's also condescending? Because people do that to children. Well, they'll be like, look at those little scamps just up to no good. And it's like, what are you talking about? I am a child. <laughs> I do nothing. Literally. <laughs> uh, it's like, careful, bro. I just crop dusted over here. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody knows you fart over in that corner when you want to get away. <laughs> um, or on the ceiling because heat rises. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Um, Okay, so let's do this. Let's do as many as we can before we take another break. Um, Sure. Yeah. Tips for sex workers to prevent burnout when dating. (sighs) (laughs) Deep sighs from the crowd. (laughs) (laughs) Develop 
Develop your um, early screening practices. And what I mean by that is figure out what you will immediately identify as a red flag and will not proceed with. Um, like if someone's like, wow, my friends won't believe I'm dating a stripper. You can inquire like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> um, I liked a term you used recently though. That was yellow flags because I feel like red flags are very obvious, like ignorant things, but yellow flags can seem like ignorant in a very innocent way, but mm. then later turn into red flags. Okay. Can you think of any other examples? So I think that there's like, uh, like just microaggressive things where it's like, oh, I never thought I could date a sex worker. And then it turns into, well, your job is like, you get enough attention from everybody else. So why do I have to give you attention kind of thing? Ooh. You know, it's like, it's like that Ooh. segue. So it starts out innocent. It's like, oh, well, I've never dated a sex worker before. That seems cool. It seems fine. And then it turns into like something that they are struggling with later on, you know? That's interesting. It's almost like um, sounding like they put you on a pedestal in the beginning. Yep. Interesting. Exactly that. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah, so that I think sounds yellow accurate. Flags. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think recognizing yellow flags where it's like, it seems innocent. It's kind of microaggressive, but it could turn into something else later. Mm-hmm. Um, something, one that I don't like is... I don't like what you do, but I'll respect it. Yes. Those are two totally different things. That's a yellow flag to me. That's a yellow flag to me. And what that always means to me is I will tolerate it until I am upset about something else and then I will bring it up and throw it in your face. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So start to, and if you're new, it can be hard, but like if someone makes a comment and you get that kind of like, however it feels in your body, like a twinge to me, it feels like a, eh, like in a horror movie, something's like, like what? <laughs> something scratch. bad. Yeah. Something just happened. But like pay attention to those. Um, There are, there are people who will care about you. Um, but it's like, I think it's really hard because a lot of social input, you know, and like pressure from people's friends or family to either have judgment or express judgment that happens with some people or, or it's stuff they go through where they're like, they're figuring out that they've never had conversations defending sex work before. And now they're starting to have them with their family or, you know, Mm -hmm. and that can be stressful for people. And some people can't cope with that. Um, so I guess recognize what I'm saying is like recognizing the very real um, potential barriers for some people and understand you might have to be a little more resilient depending on what kind of stigma you're dealing with in your communities or where you live. Uh, like people on the East Coast are like, oh, they people fucking hate strippers over here like so much more than they do in Portland. It's just more normalized in Portland. I say, yeah, I hear that. I believe that. The stigma is less here. Mm-hmm. still exists but um so yeah be resilient but like be persistent there are people out there that will love you just fine yeah i do think in all actuality like being a sex worker and dating is very hard and lonely at times because you are living your truth and a lot of people just aren't ready for that you know and mm. you you're normalizing something that is the root of shame sexuality is a as a root of shame for a lot of people so like 
they don't understand there are a lot of people who want to be the center of someone's world, you know, whether that is healthy or not. And I think that there are people who just don't understand that they need to kind of grow and see that your patterns are holding their best interest in mind and you're still able to balance your job and your work-life balance between like, you know, sex work and personal work and mm-hmm. sex, personal mm-hmm. sex and work. Um, and I think that a lot of people are just not there. They're not emotionally intelligent to handle that. And so I think finding people who align with who you are right from the get-go is a really good foundation. Like if they don't even really mention it, if they're not like even like, oh, so like, tell me about your job or like, you know, if instead they're like, oh, like you're talking about like safer sex practices and like, you know, things like that. Like if you feel like you don't have to, if you don't feel like you're being drilled for questions, then you're probably already off to a good start. Mm, mm -hmm. You know, so I think finding people who just really don't even bring it up all that much like it's not even a like it is a part of who you are but it's not all of who you are Mm -hmm. um I would say that that's like a really good indicator that I found Mm. that people are like okay like this is something that you do and it's like it doesn't need to be the topic of every conversation it doesn't need to be the topic of my insecurity Mm -hmm. I like that yeah I'm reflecting on my last couple of like serious or yeah relationships with yeah I was reflecting I was like what's worked and what hasn't also I mean if you're a sex worker you can date other sex workers Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah and a lot of us do Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm uh to prevent burnout yeah maybe one day uh there'll be some books about this um (laughs) hopefully Uh. hint 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 (laughs) listener question eight what makes a good safe word anything that you're not gonna say casually Mm mm-hmm any anything yeah like is it a word that there's no reason you would say it while you're having sex pineapple mm-hmm. perfect <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. uh, uh, like i'm gonna feed you pineapple don't say that <laughs> choke on it uh <laughs> listener question nine do you have any advice on asking your partner to consider therapy for anger management mm. so I have an anger problem. My I know where it came from. Um uh one of the the person I'm seeing now, like very immediately into dating, I was like, huh, you have an anger problem. He's like, Yeah, I was like, so do I. That's great. Um, so acknowledging it, if if your person can't acknowledge it, that's a serious concern. And I'm really, really sorry. Um, it makes me feel like this person's maybe afraid to bring it up with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would consult a relationship counselor or therapist or some domestic violence resources, perhaps, and I will look for some of those. The first thing that ever comes to mind is rain.org, but that's the rape, abuse, and incest one. Uh, R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. I'm not an expert at domestic violence. What do you think? Yeah, I really, it's kind of out of my wheelhouse. Um, I will say as someone who recently got out of a relationship with someone who was very resistant to therapy uh, and 
wasn't ready to acknowledge their shortcomings and um, personality disorders. Mm -hmm. uh, you cannot ask someone to do it unless they recognize it because mm. it is like fighting a toddler, a grown toddler. And mm -hmm. it can only... I think that it only exacerbates it. I think that it really makes someone feel cornered or like something's wrong with them rather than them being like self-aware and emotionally intelligent to be like, wow, like this is really taking a toll on my life. Um, I used to be a lot more angry and unregulated and I definitely saw and recognize where I could have been better and I feel less reactive to things now than I ever did. And it took a lot of self-realization. It mm. took a lot of like scenarios building up where I'm like, you know what? Something's not right. Like, mm -hmm. I think something's like a mess here. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it might be impact. I mean, I definitely don't feel good about it. So I can't imagine other people feel good about my behavior. Mm -hmm. Um. So I don't know, I haven't used this one personally, but I see domestic violence support, thehotline.org. Uh, maybe some folks check that out. Let me know if you find anything helpful on there. Um, yeah, definitely we're not experts on that. Yeah, I would just say approach cautiously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone says, listener question nine. Listener question nine. I'm polyamorous. My main partner wants me to not tell him anything at all about what I do with others. I feel like I'm cheating. Sad emoji face. Aww. Hmm. Hmm. I guess where else can you put that excited new dating energy? Mm -hmm. Can you journal it? Do you have another friend you can talk to about it? Some people don't. I was just thinking like writing down the experiences in case like that their partner ever does want to know. But I think some people, yeah, it just sounds like there's just two different levels of, like, compersion there. It's like, I'm happy for you. I don't want to take this experience away from you. But I also, it makes me uncomfortable to hear about your sexual experiences or your dating experiences. I'd rather just kind of keep you in this mental container for myself. Mm -hmm. And the other person's like, but honey, like, oh, I really want to tell you about this person. And, you know. So I think finding a compromise there. Be like, can I tell mm -hmm. you about dates but not sex? Mm -hmm. uh, on a previous episode, we had a guest, Dr. Jolie Hamilton. She wrote a book called Project Relationship. And it's meant for people who juggle like small business, like entrepreneurship. Um, or it's great for a poly perspective. She does both. Um, and one of the advice uh, pieces in there, she says, write down like what you're looking for in your relationships. Um, because I feel like there's a compatibility issue here if the main partner wants to be don't ask, don't tell. Because I would find that very difficult and stressful. I schedule around so many things. You know, like what does it mean to not tell you anything? Like, oh, we went to this park. You know, like is that too much information? Do you not want to know their name? That would be really hard for me. Yeah, I feel like I've – I mean, currently, I think I'm in a dynamic where we're kind of like, you know, because of distance, we're kind of just, you know what, like, 
we don't really don't ask. To, yeah, we don't really need to do the whole like disclosure thing. But I think if long I'm distance, in, that makes sense to me. Yeah, if I'm in yeah. close proximity to somebody, I think I mean for me personally, I've practiced this to the point where I want it to be automatic. I don't want to feel like I'm not disclosing something Mm -hmm. because it does. Yeah. You're very open book like immediately. Yeah. I think that makes it way easier for people to just know how to show up. Like you're going to, you are very consistent. You're like, I went here with a friend or I went here with a date. Mm -hmm. I went here with Mm so-and-so. Yeah. So I, I just think that for me, it's like, because I, you know, it is easy to keep things from somebody, but at the same time, like, it's harder to disclose. And I feel like that's the challenge. It's like, I want to challenge myself to show up like that every time. Mm-hmm. So I can see the struggle there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're listening, get back to us and give us an update. Mm-hmm. Someone asks, listener question 11, is there a healthy way to portray a dom-sub DS relationship in public? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> hmm, what are you thinking of? Um, so fun things to do in public are like protocols. Like if you're going shopping. Um, Someone get the door for the other person. Yeah, getting the door. If getting you, the bags. Tying your shoes. Um, I've had that done. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, my shoe's untied. Can you do that for me? You know. Mm. And like, <laughs> get and down. Like, get down there. Yeah, get down there and it's like you look up at each other and it's like, or, you know, you look at each mm-hmm. other and it's really cute. Um, mm-hmm. There's like, you know, there's subtle collars if you want to do the collar route. There's um, undergarment mm-hmm. devices that you can do. Uh, Ooh, yeah. give a little zappy zap or a vibe. Yeah, zaps, mm-hmm. vibes, um, mm-hmm. chastity, mm-hmm. Uh, harnesses are fun. Like if you, rope harness somebody up and they get to wear it in their clothes. That's a type of, it's a type of ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, what I'm hearing is that you're engaging in all of these things in public, but you're not forcing other people to yes. participate in something. Yeah. It's not fulsome. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's not fulsome street it's fair. It's not fulsome street Go fair. Go Google it, people. Yeah. It's like, you know, you could, <sighs> you can absolutely find different ways to, uh, you could just have someone be service oriented for you. You know, they do mm-hmm. everything for you. And mm-hmm. cut your food up when it's dinner time mm-hmm. or get your chair or get me the hand sanitizer because <laughs> we're still in a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I don't think it's cool to force people to see stuff that could be triggering for them or just very confusing for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, being sex positive doesn't mean you think everyone needs to feel positive about the sex you're having. <laughs> Agreed. Yes. Yeah. I want that on a sticker. Um, Okay. Let's take a break and we'll come back and do as many more of these as we can. Thank you, everyone. Perfect uh, for writing. Thank you, everyone, for writing to me. They talk sex at protonmail.com. Go find Valentine, if you haven't already, on Twitter at Von Betty. Hey, everybody. I want to turn you on to Good Clean Love. It's one of my favorite brands from right here in the Pacific Northwest. Their almost naked organic lube is water-based, so it's perfect for sex with a partner when using a condom or with your favorite toys. It's the best-selling organic lube in the country, and I think you'll really love it. Go to goodcleanlove.com forward slash L and check out my personalized collection of favorite products 
including pH balancing wipes, suppositories for bacterial vaginosis, massage candles, and lubricants. Use code L20 and take 20% off your first purchase. Do you have a sensitive vulva or vagina? Me too. People with vaginas will experience at least one yeast infection in their lifetime, and many folks like myself get them every time the seasons change. As someone who relies on their vaginal health for their personal and professional wellness, I use Momotaro Apotheca solutions for preventing bacterial vaginosis or yeast infection. Their products also serve urinary tract infections, postpartum care issues, aftercare, and general irritation from sex, clothing, and exercise. I love these things. I use them to shorten my healing time or prevent irritation. Use Stripper Writer for a discount code and check out their affiliated CBD products at oshihana.com. That's momotaroapotheca.com and oshihana.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. I'm your host, L Stanger. Find me on Twitter at L Stanger, on Instagram, perhaps at Stripper Writer. My backup is at L underscore Stanger. Somebody asked me recently, um, they said, oh, did you make that up yourself? Your last name, Stanger, it's Germanic, means someone of the pole or the spear. And I was like, (laughs) no, that's actually my last name. Did you know that? That's so cool. Isn't that funny? It's fucking fate. (laughs) Of the pole. It's fate. (laughs) Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, Oh, we have a question here. (laughs) Valentine. I'm going to skip down and then we'll come back to the other ones. It says, how does it feel to be the baddest bitch? Just wondering. <laughs> Is that for me? Oh, yeah. my God. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, it feels, uh, you know, it, it's, Humbling. yeah, I mean, it's honestly, like, I, I feel I really am. genuinely humbled and grateful that I have the following that I do because I feel like for me it's quality over quantity you know I feel like the people Mm -hmm, who mm -hmm. follow me and support me um align with who I am and I've had such amazing experiences with so many people and conversations with so many people and I've had gifts sent to me and I've had art made of me and it's like you know it's it's sometimes mm-hmm. really surprising that I've been told numerous times, like I've impacted people or I've touched people or that I am just this person that people really uh, relate to or they mm-hmm. feel like I'm there, mm-hmm. like I'm really supportive of them, you know? And mm-hmm. it's a, it, I just feel like it's it's pretty amazing to have that impact on people. And mm-hmm. I feel genuinely um, deeply grateful for that and mm-hmm. for anybody who has followed me and supported me through this journey. So mm-hmm. that is a very nice reflective answer. You. Yes. I too laughed when I first read it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, uh uh huh. Okay, so now we're gonna take a more serious mm. dive. Uh, listener question twelve: Advice on enjoying yourself 
as a survivor of sexual assault. Mm, go slow. It's taken me years to be able to do things and enjoy things. And I wasn't even trying to like learn or enjoy them. I just have been exploratory and given myself time. And also tell my partners when stuff isn't working for me. And if that includes something sensory, like their mouth feels cold and wet on my pussy and it's turning me off, like I need to move or adjust. <laughs> I have sensory issues. I just told someone uh, yesterday, I said, hey, I know we like to play a lot of struggle games, but if we're ever cuddling and I go to just sit up like normally, please let me do it because I've I have like what attention and I will panic if you jokingly try to hold mm. me down because it goes back to some things and he was like okay you know like because I might panic and not even say pineapple so that might come up down the road and if it does and if there's a miscommunication we'll mm. deal with it um so awareness is helpful and giving yourself lots of time because yeah I've been having sex for 21 years like penetrative sex and uh i only really started enjoying it in the last like eight mm. eight to ten mm -hmm. what do you think um i mean i <laughs> i have mostly only had compromising experiences rather than like violent experiences thankfully but True. So you don't, you're not, you don't consider yourself a survivor yeah, of sexual assault. Yeah, so this is really not something I feel like I can properly, uh, comfortably speak on. But I would, I would agree with what you're saying. I think that just, you know, if you have a physical reaction to something that is just, you're like, can you just give me room to react and be comfortable with that and be okay with that? Because this is just how I process, you know, just like any trauma, mm -hmm. I think any, you know, if you if your physical space feels infringed upon, um, then you absolutely have the right to react how you're going to react. And hopefully your partner at the time, your lover at the time will understand that. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing I want people to know is that your ability to heal depends largely on your own self-efficacy, like your belief in the ability that you can and you mm -hmm. will heal. And I'm not just making this up. This is like based on uh, research and studies about motivational interviewing strategies for people coming clean off of like the hardest drugs or leaving the most abusive relationships. Um, and I'm getting all emotional and stuff right now. But if you believe that you can quit smoking or you can quit going back to that person or you believe that you want to start eating differently, like you can really do it. It's the same thing with like hypnosis apparently doesn't work unless you want it the outcome to be effective. Did you know like that? that? Like, hi yeah, hypnosis for smoking. They're like, well, it can be effective if people want that right. outcome. <laughs> if they're like, oh, my family's forcing me to do this. Of course, it's not going to fucking I work. I feel like that's the same with religion. It's like, if you want something to comfort you enough, you'll believe in it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, if you believe that someday you're going to have a good time and feel comfortable and grounded with touch, like you can get there. Just give yourself time. Uh, related to that and like wow thank you valentine for reminding me not all of my friends are survivors of sexual assault or consider themselves to be mm -hmm. jesus christ <laughs> i'm over here like wow that's me deep in my assumptions based on my own trauma uh, i love when we get to hold up a mirror to ourselves on this show um 
Related to the last question, do you have any suggestions on addressing anxiety around sex noises, vocal or sounds? Hmm. This is in my wheelhouse again, but I just talked a bunch, so I wondered if you had So with this, do you feel like this is in relation to like feeling shy about loud sex noises, like being the person? Or is this uh, Um, stimulatory? It's stimulatory. So sometimes like like the clicking of like mouths or like oral Mm. sex or like the stickiness of Mm -hmm. bodies. It's really interesting. Like lately with the person I've been having sex with, it ha- I've no issues at all. And we've been doing it for a couple months. And um, with B, my partner, four years and four months prior, they were pretty minor. And I also like learned to like what my triggers are and things I can avoid. So if that means setting the lighting a certain way or having white noise on a certain way, I already know like I've learned how to do these mm-hmm. things for myself. Um, but I've noticed like if I have more desire, then my anxiety triggers are way less noticeable. And I know that the book Come As You Are by uh, Emily Nagoski talks a lot about inhibition um, and arousal and you're like on offs. So everybody look that book up if you're really interested in learning about specifically uh, female libido. Uh, yeah. So in, in terms of addressing it, know what they are. If there's certain sounds you don't like, how can you plan for that? And also tell your partner. Like my partners know all my things. So I'm like, oh, hey, I need to open a window. We're eating. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't just the bedroom for me. This is like food. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I honestly think it would be kind of cute to wear like headphones if you needed to or like not not headphones but like um you know they have like the yeah they have like the flat ones like the cloth ones that like maybe someone could put those on like while engaging oh wow yeah i guess if you don't have like tactile Mm -hmm. issues like you're not worried about that kind of sensory stuff then it could be really cool to be like blindfolded and muted kind of or everything's put on mute yeah. for you. Ooh, creative. I hope we gave some Yeah, tips. they're like, I've seen like cloth, like flat headphones that you wear like behind your head and they like wrap to the sides of your ears. Like maybe playing, playing yeah. something or like just having them to kind of mute the noises might be a little bit helpful. So it's less noticeable, like more subtle. That's fun. Okay, thank you for those tips. Listener question 14. Can you think of any good, I don't know if we're going to come up with any that haven't already been thought of, good, cheeky, gender neutral alternatives to hey girl or hey boy? Someone called me a Thady once and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) Hey Thady. (laughs) Like, they and lady. I don't think it's going to catch on, but it was cute that they they tried. I didn't. I I always like Darlin. I think Darlin's cute. Um, I call a lot of people dear. Thank you, dear. Um, dear mm-hmm. darling, I think like, Southern, just Southern <laughs> honorifics. <laughs> um, yeah. Sweetie. Cutie pie. Um, pet. Mr. Yeah. Poodle. Call me Mr. Aww. Poodle. Wolfie. Oh, Foxy. Um, Ooh. Ooh. 
I oh, mm. I like have said sweet sweet prince to you. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a nice one. Um, mm. I feel like I don't know. I just I think that it's something that kind of has to be organic. Between yeah, you. exactly. It's got to be organic because mm-hmm. it's just gonna mm-hmm. feel weird if it's not. But like it's kind of like when people are like using y'all. It's like hey y'all, mm-hmm. you know, or, hey everybody. Um, hey you. Hey, mm-hmm. you. I call my child Muffin lately, and I don't know why. Um, oh, yeah. She's Baby Muffin, and um, she called me Mommy Cake, which I thought was really cute That's because cute. cakes are bigger than muffins. I've called people Little Big Muffins. Oh, Little Big Muffins. What does it mean? <laughs> That's cute. Yeah. So, yeah, it has to be organic. Yeah. Uh, it, it could be organic. Um, okay. Listener question 15. Have you ever done a, quote, Yoni Steam? So apparently there's a slew of folks that should not be steaming their vulvas. Uh, people who are pregnant don't do it because this can encourage bleeding, a oh. spontaneous abortion, oh also known as a miscarriage. Uh, you don't want to shed too much of your uterine lining in some cases. And if you have an IUD, apparently it can move your IUD around, it could shift it around potentially, which can make it ineffective and or just plain uncomfortable, painful. Some people use oils or herbs that can irritate the skin and apparently scalding or burning accidents Mm. with water um, can also happen, of course. But uh, yeah, so thus far, I just skip it. I've heard mixed things. I mean, I've heard people who are like really into it, but I've also heard, yeah, it's not the greatest um, and then also, I don't refer to my crotch as a yoni because I don't know what that word means and I don't know any of the cultural meaning or history behind it. It's so, Sanskrit. It's Sanskrit. Okay, well, I just learned something. I'm still not going to call my pussy a yoni, <laughs> but that's what they're sometimes called. Any thoughts? Have you ever done a pussy steam? No, I mean, I found a place and I was like considering it, but I was like, no, I'm good. I've had friends that have done mm-hmm. it and they seemed excited at the time, but I just don't really feel like I need that for my yoni. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it seems relaxing. Um, I like sitting in a sauna, yeah. though. I can steam all yeah. of me. My entire genital gets steamed. Um we're lucky in Portland, though. We have some of those uh, nude optional mm-hmm. saunas. Well, we did. I don't know what it's like. I haven't been there since pre still going. Oh, good for them. That's how we feel about those. Listener question 16. Any advice for mixed orientation relationships? I'm bi. My husband is asexual. These are both later in life realizations. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, um, I have struggled with, I have struggled with this, um, because I'm a very hypersexual person Mm -hmm. and I have, uh, encountered people who are either like more asexual leaning or a difference in libido and, it's really challenging for me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say you have to be really secure and clear about how you're providing care for each other because, I mean, unless this person is already like in a non-monogamous dynamic or polyamorous dynamic, I would say 
you're going to have to seek other means to get your needs mm-hmm. met because I've, I've even watched like YouTube videos on this and like how challenging it is uh, for asexual people because I was like, I don't know their perspective. Mm-hmm. I never will. But, but I feel like for them, it's, it's challenging. Like they have to kind of schedule it out, you know, to be intimate with their mm-hmm. partners. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like as a hypersexual person, uh, it can be very emotionally challenging to be rejected, mm-hmm. you know, again and again. And I think that finding somebody who feels as passionately about intimacy and touch as you do is pretty mm-hmm. pivotal. Yeah, I definitely know a couple of couples that have mismatched orientations where one of them is asexual or like, so asexual could include low level libido, which is why some people I think get confused. They're like, well, how did they get together in the first place if they weren't attracted to each other? Um, Yeah, so Mm -hmm. gray asexual or gray ace um, can mean like some rare libido or like very, very infrequent or... um, so, yeah, I agree with everything you said about opening up the relationship if you're not already. Like, you got to have options or is, you know, the person who is not asexual, like, hopefully they are able to consume porn or, you know, pay for it in a way that the other person is comfortable with. Because uh, I think it becomes unreasonable when one person has no libido and they expect their other partner to, like, match them. And of course, it's also unreasonable and can also be emotionally and physically abusive if it's the opposite, where the person with the libido is mm-hmm. the one supposed to dine, you know, dictate the dynamic, and then the person is having sex with them because they feel pressure or they that they should. That's unhealthy too. Um, yeah, you know, like maybe it's not even abusive, but they're like doing it out of you know, they don't want to hurt their partner. Like, it's hard to say, like, I'm not attracted to you (laughs) or really anybody (laughs) most of the time. Like, yeah. Yeah, or like, I mean, because I've been in that dynamic too where, you know, you meet, it's hot and heavy, and then you're kind of laying there and it's been three months later and you're like, why Mm -hmm. haven't we had Mm -hmm. sex? (laughs) This is really challenging. And you're trying to like rationalize it with yourself. And then like the person's kind of just like, you know, like it just doesn't flow. And you're kind of like, what's going on? And, you know, and you're like telling them you're communicating with them and you're like, Hey, um, I would really love to have sex with you. And or like make out with you and you know like you're just kind of like left in limbo because they can't they either can't mm-hmm. acknowledge that they're kind of leaning towards that or like their mm-hmm. their idea of intimacy with you is hand holding and movie watching and you're kind of like what is happening i'm not ready for bed death right now like <laughs> like we <laughs> haven't death. even hit nre like what's going on you know <laughs> NRE, new yeah, relationship energy. Yeah, it's like, what? how did we skip over yeah. NRE? Like, we're now in bed death already? Like, what's going on? So, yeah. If you as a couple can acknowledge that there is a difference, a disparity in your libidos, then maybe you can do something like what I mentioned earlier from Dr. Julie Hamilton's book, which is write down or think about, talk about, like, what do I want out yes. of a relationship? Yes. What do you two share in common? What do you have differently? And how can you yes, get those exactly. needs met? 
Yeah. Listener question 18. I feel like the penis envy I experience comes from power dynamic struggles, but could it be gender dysphoria? This is from a young uh, female swerker. Uh, this is obviously a very personal question, personal to this person. I know that you and I have like played with used like rubber, you know, rubber, synthetic strap-ons, strap <laughs> dicks, like all kinds of cocks and dicks. Um, I, mean, I feel sometimes at one with the wiener, but I don't miss it when I don't have one. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely like sometimes where I, I think about penis MB where I'm like, God, you know, like how, how amazing would that be? You know, mm, to have a, a dick. Yeah. I mean, I would say like maybe this person could explore packing um, mm. and kind of see how it feels to pack and kind of uh, something maybe like even more of like a pack and play if they actually want to like kind of spring it on somebody that they're familiar with and they're like, ooh, yeah, like I want to be serviced in this way or I want to play around with this in this way um, mm -hmm. rather than just having a bulge or like feeling like they have a bulge. But I, I mean, I definitely could be some sort of like gender fluidity for sure. Could be like, like mm -hmm. I'm feeling a little bit more, you know, like I feel femme, but I kind of want a penis right now. And I want to mm -hmm. like feel, you know, arousal around that. And I definitely mm -hmm. think that that's, I mean, for me, like it's really hot to wear a strap on. Like I love wearing a strap on because there's just something so powerful and intimate and beautiful about being able to penetrate somebody in that way and like mm -hmm. play with that mm -hmm. and use it not in a aggressive way but like in a very intimate way and what kind of lovely gender euphoria can we hold space for i don't like that phrase it gets overused but i'm thinking about trans women who like love their dicks and like their dicks you know yeah. who are like yeah i like my penis i can think of one of my friends she's like oh my therapist didn't think that i was trans because i didn't hate my genitals like i like oh my, my God, dick that's so yeah. depressing so depressing um so like you know this person's like i love my penis like and having that type of sex can be very intimate um they feel like as well i'm talking about piv um yeah. so yeah i like your suggestion to maybe like lean into a little more like dressing masculine is what I hear or like packing or doing some kind of soft drag in your playtime or personal yeah because I mean like I, I feel like having you know a girl cock is like a totally irrelevant thing it's like you may not feel mask but you kind of want a cock and it's like mm -hmm. I I kind of want like the tea girl experience <laughs> with having mm -hmm. a girl cock but I but I don't feel mask you know Mm -hmm. I think it's because definitely our society is like put penises on a pedestal, you yeah. know, so I think it might be something like, you know, you want to feel that perceived power to like penetrate or be on that penis pedestal. It's a really, I think it's a really beautiful thing. Like I have never felt more grateful at times in my sexual experiences than like when I can look down at my lover and be like, damn. You are I'm so beautiful. Fucking you. Yeah. Well, I mean, not even just that, but it's like I You are get, so beautiful. Yeah, you are so beautiful and I'm I'm on top of you in this way. And it's like it's powerful. It feels powerful. It's the same mm -hmm. as like fisting somebody. It's like you watch somebody's body just like change. 
and you're just mm-hmm. like whoa like this is powerful mm-hmm. this is so mm-hmm. hot and beautiful and sexy and like ugh, you just mm-hmm. feel really good yeah i think the penetration is what what we're coming back to there's definitely something that can be obviously very intimate about penetration whether it's like digitally you know with a hand yeah yeah i mean all in all forms but yeah if just mm-hmm. if just walking around and feeling that experience is like something that you want to lean into i think go for it mm-hmm. um okay i'm going to do the last question i have an extreme foot fetish and it is affecting my relationships how do i overcome this hire a sex worker wow yeah yeah, temporarily. Yeah, that could be very helpful. Um, and then when you get in a relationship, like there's there's no reason you need to stop, but that comes up like some clients stop seeing sex workers because they get in a relationship that they are either open about their kink with or they are not. Mm-hmm. But they stop seeing the sex worker because then they'd have to work to conceal that they're doing that and that's too stressful, so they don't do that. Well, or, you know, they want to feel loyalty to the person, yeah. so they want to be monogamous and emotionally yeah. monogamous, and I get that too. Yeah. And I wasn't even meaning in person. I just mean, like, if you want, like, a sexting partner or, like, some someone to fill that. Some people will consider that cheating too, though. That's fair. Yeah. But they said it's affecting my relationships, plural. True. So are they currently in a relationship or in dating status? Maybe it's... I mean, I wonder, like, okay, this person needs to take a look at, like, why is it affecting re- your relationships? Like, right. are you spending, like, hundreds or thousands of dollars on, like, foot pics? Or... I mean, that person's very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Go, are you <laughs> Are you, like, in bed, like, spending, like, 50% of your time on the feet of someone who is not into foot play? Like, that yeah. can be unpleasant. That like, can be unpleasant. Like, where are you where are you what does what does your behaviors look like and i I know it's hard yeah i have met so many people who do not absolutely do not like their feet touched or even really seen (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. me too um so yeah this person needs to maybe be honest about what's going on also i don't know what extreme foot fetish is to this person you know like I, I've told this story before and I'll tell it really briefly but I remember one of the first serious boyfriends I had I was way younger and he sat me down like all terrified to tell me something he had this big disclosure and I was like oh my god what is it gonna be and he told me he was in defeat and I was like relieved because I'm like okay that's not a big deal I I didn't like my feet I didn't let anybody see my feet at that time so it was something I've worked to like get way, way, way more comfortable with. Now I'll put lube on the palm of like the sole of my foot and be like, surprise. <laughs> That's a real funny one to do in bed anyway, by the way. Um, thank you. I try, you know, as a dancer, it's hard, you know, our feet get destroyed. Um, yeah. Or I don't know if this person like disclosed to a partner and they were like incredibly shamed for it. That's yeah, not fair either. Because foot fetish fun. is really common, mm-hmm. apparently. Yeah, so, I would just say really kind of, um, you know, like have those conversations. Like, I mean, I know it's really hard because, you know, especially if someone's been shamed for it, no one wants to bring it up because they're like, oh, God, like people get anxious about those things but i think that if it's something that is really passionate for you and you're like 
this is something that's really important to me that I explore and I would love to share that with you. I feel safe in doing that with you. And if the person is like, yeah, you know, like I'm totally open to that, you know, I mean, have boundaries around it. If like someone's not into a certain kind of thing uh, involving their feet, then sure. But, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're like, oh, like, would you be willing to like smash bananas and like, let me lick it it off your feet? Like that'd be hot. Or like, can I pay for your pedicures? Like, you know. Oh, yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, that's right. What are, okay. What are some, what are some ways? Okay. I was reading this book about people's brains and how they work and I don't remember what it's called. So I'm not even going to try to remember. But basically a lot of times when you're approaching someone with something, point out immediately how it will benefit them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're way more likely to be into it. So in the case of like, um, I'll pay for you to get a pedicure. Would you send me like a pick of your toes afterwards? Or would you like a foot massage with this really nice oil or yeah. something? You know? Yeah. Like how do you how do you fulfill your partner's needs? And are they I mean want to know are they comfortable with their feet? Because again, like some yeah. people are not. So like ask, you know, be like, are you comfortable having your feet touched? Um, could be like one of the first questions you ask about someone you're interested in, you know? Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. and then, you know, from there be like, well, this is something that I really enjoy. Would you be open to receiving these services in exchange for this? Because it would be really hot for me. It would turn me on. And that way, like that person's understanding what it does for you. Mm-hmm. Um, that person's understanding that they're like, oh, wow, I'm going to get my feet pampered. They're going to look nice all the time and they're going to feel good, you mm-hmm. know, in exchange for my partner's um, pleasure. Mm-hmm. And I think if that is too much for you and you can't be as uh, straightforward as Valentine is, then do here's your second option. You say, I really like this part of you. You have really cute feet. See how that goes. Because <laughs> um, I'm yep. really used to my feet being touched at this point. I've had like a couple of foot fetish partners. So now when I start dating, if I like, I'll put my toesies on someone and be like, oh, sorry, they're cold and see how they do. Let's just see, start from there. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't even consider it like a foot fetish thing, but like when you gave me a lap dance and you like put your heel to my chest, I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, hey. So nice. like it could be That's a, a shoe power thing exchange. too. Yeah. It, mm. could be a sh- it could be not even just a bare feet thing. It could be a shoe thing. It could be like, I would love to dress your feet in nice shoes. Can I buy you nice shoes? Can like, I buy you nice shoes? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can totally twist it to their benefit and mm-hmm. they won't even think about it as like this sort of like off-putting thing. Yeah. It's not an extreme foot fetish. It's no. them being pam- their feet being pampered the entire time they're in a relationship with you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Consensually. Like I imagine you've as a dance I haven't done I haven't had this, but like I imagine you as a dancer, like many customers have like wanted to rub your feet after a show. Oh, I wish. Not so many because I wear for a long time I wore clunky like sneakers or like big boots. So you never see my toes. Yeah, I've noticed the girls who get the most foot customers, you can see their toes when they're hustling. Nobody pays me to take my boots off. I think they're afraid of what they might find. (laughs) I mean, we do get really sweaty, stinky feet. So Some people like that, though. They do. They love that. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah, I always like to ask uh, my guests two things before we go. Um, What are some resources that have been helpful for your learning? 
other sex workers, honestly, like just other people's experiences. I have talked to so many people uh, from various genres of sex work, and I feel like I learn something new all the time, whether it's Mm -hmm. the industry itself, whether it's new techniques, whether it's, you know, I'm learning about what people like in our scenes and in bed. Um, definitely mm-hmm. just speaking to people. Um, I haven't really, I mean, I've definitely like learned from tutorials, you know, like around like rope bondage and things like that. But I just feel like I learn better from just watching people and observing and talking to them directly. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Same. And then lastly, do you have any last sex tips for our audience, Valentine? Mine is always go slow. <laughs> um, Start slow at least, maybe. I would maybe. say just know yourself, you know? Ex- like if you know where you're at with, your sexuality, your desires, what you like, what you don't like, it just makes you a better lover because that way you're more receptive to what other people like, don't like, how they function. Um, If you are unsure Mm -hmm. about something, do the work to learn about it. You know, don't put that on your partner. Don't try to do the whole like well you should have known we've been together for so long kind of thing because that does happen um if you have something that you're curious about you know learn about it um explore it and either solo or with your partner but i think that knowing yourself sexually is just so important because it really does set yourself up to be able to communicate those things more effectively Mm-hmm. I love that. And you know yourself, and that's partly why I had you on. So thank you so much. Everybody go find Valentine on Twitter, Von Betty, and email her model.valentine at yahoo.com. Oh, I'm gonna go pet poodle and say hi for you. Oh, thank you. And you're welcome. He says work. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day over there uh, in Columbus, Ohio. And everybody email me, theytalksex at protonmail.com. Bye, Bye. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Elle. Are you ready for some discount codes? You can get 20% off cool t-shirts like the ones you've seen on Instagram by feministtrash.com. If you enter all caps, L Stanger, that's my name. I recommend using the code stripperwriter for 10% off your orders, $35 or more on sexual wellness items from unboundbabes.com. This is one of my favorite websites. And I know some of you enjoy the Vesper Toys on lovecrave.com. You can use all caps code L for a free engraving on your Vesper Toys. It's one of my favorite vibrators and I also use it to calm down like a uh, sternum vibrator. 
Nobody's ever asked, but I do indeed receive a portion of sales. Thank you so much to these affiliates for offering to do so. And I'm happy to recommend their products. And please let me know, listeners, what products you like or any feedback about anyone I ever recommend, be it in show or in social media or here.